being so um, responsive to the call to be in his presence, to spend time together in fellowship. Um, so big shout out there. And um, I'm hoping, oh, one more thing. If you have any questions before we get going, please um, have your questions ready. So as soon as we start, um, as soon as the broadcast officially kicks off, um, the process of answering those questions can take place before like the words we have for today. Does that make sense? We, I, I would prefer if we did not have the question and answer section like um, in, the, in the middle, if that makes sense. That way there's a continuous flow and everyone gets received. Okay, I think we're live on Facebook. So um, yeah, let's get ready to go.
from me. You guys cannot hear what I said, could, did you? <laughs> so welcome everyone again. Thank you so much for joining us. I just realized I muted. Um, I still had the microphone muted. So again, thank you so much for joining us. Um, we are on a trajectory um, in digesting the things that were received during our recently concluded conference, the Watchman Prophetic Conference on Blueprints, Christ, the Blueprint of the Future Ages. And um, so many things were said and received, and we are trusting the Lord that we would digest every single thing that we got during that time. Just making this minor adjustment here to my light source. Hopefully that reduces the shadows, or maybe not. Who knows? The Lord knows what's going on. Amen. <laughs> All right. Okay. So I think we're good to go. Quick word of prayer, and we can get this party started. Heavenly Father, we say thank you. Thank you for where you're taking us. Thank you for what you're leading us. Thank you for what you're doing. We thank you, Everlasting Father, because we know you are the one inspiring all of this. You are moving, you are directing, you are instructing, you are leading. We say thank you. Thank you, Lord Jesus, because you are the one doing all of this. We honor and we bless your name in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Okay, so um, a quick recap. I have here my notes. I'm going to read here. Um, I guess I'll recap all the way to the very beginning. We've been looking at um, um, or trying to, by the mercy and grace of God, understand um, how the feasts apply to us at this point in time, at the end of the ages. We're trusting the Lord for understanding, to see what exactly um, this wisdom that has, for lack of better words, mostly been ignored and just been a theoretical and maybe theological or maybe historical subject, seeing how it applies to us today. And we've been looking at um, not just how it applies to us, but how this wisdom the enemy had or was familiar with, because this is not just a, a Jewish thing. The Bible refers to this um, Jewish feast, the seven feasts, as the feast of the Lord. And so you discover that angels um, um, understand these protocols, um, these timings, these seasons. You discover that um, things that happen on the earth, you know, um, operations, you know, the different systems and cycles that God has in place on the earth, it might seem random and sporadic, but if, you know, upon closer inspection, you see there's a lot of order, a lot of wisdom in here. And you see that at specific points in time, unique and very significant things happen. And oftentimes, if you're very careful to pay attention, you're going to see the seven feasts of Israel, usually um, many things converging or revolving around all of this. Hallelujah. And um, I, I think this is something that... Um, is very, very, um, how will I phrase this now? Um, it is important to the Lord that we understand all of these things that were such significant. If there was this um, annual migration, um, three times, all Israeli men had to present themselves before the Lord on these three major occasions, these three occasions were feasts, and I feel like it's important, amen? And um, just because, you know, it hasn't been explained in the way that it should or the Lord would have it be doesn't mean that it is not important. And just because we don't really care about it doesn't mean it's not important. Just because we um, we think we can get away with um, a, there's some core things, you know, some core elements in the scriptures. I'll give a quick example of this. So for example, someone says something like, we don't need this. All we need to do is love and forgive. You could also say, we don't need the story of David. All we need to do is love and forgive. We don't need the story of, 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 um, of, we don't even need the gospel stories. Let's just know that God loves and forgives. You know, we can, if, if we apply that judgment, if we, if we use that rubric, that yardstick, 
And if we are faithful to apply that properly and we're not inconsistent or partial in our judgment, we're going to find ourselves scraping out a lot of scripture and embracing maybe two or three principles and say, this is what God is saying. But there are weightier matters of the law, obviously, things that are critical, but you will see that even the things that seem to be the minors or even the things that we disregard, we're going to see root systems, you know, um, that some of these weightier matters, you know, are springing from. And if we're not careful, we can miss a huge volume of everything that God is saying. Hallelujah. So uh, we've been talking about feasts and, um, you know, I'm, I leaned in to explain how the seven ages, the seven kingdoms of this age, um, yeah, the ages can be broken up to seven ages themselves. Um, one, we are in transition, we're transitioning into one of those. I'm, I'm making reference to, uh, when I say ages, now making reference to um, Satan's program for shepherding humanity, Satan's program for discipling humanity, Satan's program for conforming humanity. It has been broken down into seven seasons. And these, um, there are seven princes um, or seven um, spiritual governors, dark spiritual governors that are meant to um, supervise this process. Give me one second, beloved. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Okay, so sorry. Had to attend something really quickly. Okay, so um, you will discover that um, if you look at each of these seven ages, hallelujah, um, they are being stewarded um, or directed by seven dark agents. The first one is the prince of Assyria, the second, the prince of Egypt, the third, the prince of Babylon, the fourth, the prince of Persia, the fifth, the prince of Greece, the sixth, the prince of Rome, and the seventh, the prince of perdition, or the son of perdition, the Antichrist. Amen. And you would see that if you study the scriptures and how they explain all the different things that revolve around each of these entities, you're going to see um, that each of these governors, each of these princes, amen, um, they were very, very intentional um, about you know manifesting you know th what these seasons were about so i'll give you a quick example so you want to see feasting in, in in what all these guys are subscribing like they they demand that all of humanity participate in this exercise of feasting in this exercise of conformity you see this for example with babylon um i have, I have a few um, things here to point out nebuchadnezzar had a feast teaching and let me just open up the Daniel chapter one there's no point in just quoting when i can just show it to you in the bible right the Daniel chapter one Let's see here. Um, let me see if I can open up. There we go. Word for now graphic. And so Daniel 1, let's see here. So um, Jerusalem fell. Then the king instructed Aspenask, master of his eunuchs, to bring in some of the children of Israel, some of the king's descendants, and some of the nobles, young men in whom there was no blemish, but good looking, um, gifted in all wisdom, possessing knowledge, and quick to understand, who had the ability to serve in the king's palace, and whom they might teach the language and literature of the Chaldeans. 
and the king appointed for them a daily provision of the king's delicacies and of the wine which he drank and three years of training for them so that at the end of the time they might serve before the king hallelujah so you'd see that in babylon ancient babylon there was a feast that was served to all nobles and princes all the people that were considered to be of worth in society the examples of what being a good you know functioning or the prayer point for many people in babylon the the desire of every grandparent for their children all right or for their grandchildren sorry would have been to be one of these people that feasted on the provisions made available through the prince of babylon amen another example i have here is the persian feast if you read the book of esther amen esther chapter one it says here um it came to pass in days of Arzeris. This was Arzeris who reigned over 127 provinces from India to Ethiopia. In those days when King Arzeris sat on the throne of his kingdom, which was in Shushan Citadel, in the 30th of his reign, he made a feast for all his officials and servants and powers, the powers of Persia and Media, the nobles and the princes of the provinces being before him. When he showed the riches of his glorious kingdom and the splendor of his excellent majesty for many days, 128 days in all. I will not be surprised if that is the prophetic number of the Prince of Persia, amen? Now I'm, I'm, I'm pointing all these things out because this is the language, for example, that's used when Satan was tempting Jesus. If we go to Matthew chapter four, you're going to see when Satan showed Jesus, um, he said here in verse from verse eight, the Bible says that Satan took Jesus to an exceedingly high mountain, amen, and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. Do you remember what we read about the prince of, of Persia, how he showed his excellence, the glories of his kingdom? He put it all on display for a period of time. Satan did the same thing for Jesus, amen? So we can, I have here in my notes here, the kingdoms of this world are saturated glories, okay, of this world from which this world's government, this world's dominion flows. Essentially, that saturation of the glories of this world forms the heads of Babylon. Now, I'm making reference to this, or forms the seven mountains of Babylon, or forms the 7,000 names of Babylon. I'm making references now to things you see in Revelation chapter 17 and 18, to things you see in Revelation chapter 12 and 13 as well. Amen? You would see that when you see Satan revealed in Revelation 12, in Re and when you see the Antichrist revealed in Revelation chapter 13, you see that there are these encrustments of authority, right? Seven heads, amen? And these seven heads, later on you discover that these seven heads are seven mountains, okay? So the seven heads of Satan are the seven mountains, amen? There's a theory called the seven mountains theory, amen? And it's taken from, it's pulled out from the scripture. Um, Somewhat, you know, sometimes the Lord shows us things and he uses a scripture that if you if you try it, for example, God can show you who your wife is from the Bible. And he, let's say you're dating someone called uh, Rebecca. Amen. And you're asking, Lord, is she the one Lord shows you a verse of scripture open to Genesis chapter? So, 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 and you see, and her name was Rebecca. <gasps> Thank you, Jesus. If you actually read the scriptures, you discover that in that portion of scripture, the Bible was talking about your wife, the Bible was talking about Isaac's wife, right? So I'm, I'm saying this because sometimes in the scriptures, God can speak to you personally by lifting up a portion of scripture and then spitting something out to you. 
But that scripture, that revelation is unique to you. Does that make sense? The Bible says the scripture is of no private interpretation. What am I saying here? When we are establishing doctrine, we use what the Bible is actually saying to establish doctrine. And even when people have visions and revelations, they are meant to supplement the actual doctrine of Christ that we find captured in scripture. Amen. I'm saying this because um, sometimes I might say some things that might seem contrary to what some people might have said before. And someone would ask, why, why don't you just go with what everyone else is saying? And it's, we're simply going with that. What we're, we're simply going with what we believe the doctrine of Christ is saying, what the spirit is saying explicitly, expressly from the scriptures. Does that make sense? So that way, someone's um, unique, you know, a rhema word for them is not confused with the doctrine of Christ. Because if you go around and explain now that Sarah is, 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 is every, every man of God's wife, what's going to happen to the ladies in the house called, uh, <laughs> whose names are not Sarah, right? Hallelujah. Doesn't God have husbands for them? No. Or what if your name is not Sarah? What if your, 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 your name is Olua, Olua Tosin? Amen. And Tosinon's in the Bible. But see, that, that right there gets you out. You're single for life. Okay, so this is why um, um, yes. So I have here, okay, cool. Kingdoms will saturate glories of this world from which government flows, okay? The kingdom of Greece, for example, okay? Um, because of the activities, right? The feastings, okay? The diet of this entity, logic. The logic, the the Greek logic, right? Um, that Greco-Roman entity, you know, was vomited, amen, from people that feasted, right, on that diet. You would see here, um, with that came um, the Republic by Plato, right? If you remember some of those things, Homer's Iliad, um, administration and military prowess from the Grecian kingdom, amen? Um, it's scary when you look at how many countries of today are governed by Greek, this Greek, um, <laughs> someone said, Oluwatosin. <laughs> someone saw a vision with Oluwatosin. Hallelujah. Amen. Who, who understands what I'm saying here, okay? Imagine this thing has been governing, amen, governing um, 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 different um, 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 nations of the world even up till now. Amen. And all of this sprang from that age. Does all this make sense? That feast sprang from that age. Hallelujah. So I want you to see something that's very interesting. Okay. The goal of all seven of these entities, okay, is that they would feed humanity, okay, these meals, the seven course meal, okay. And the end goal is that humanity would have partaken of all of them. And the work done by each of them will be present in them. And then you find the image. All right, that you saw in the book of Daniel, chapter three, the statue that Nebuchadnezzar erected in the plain of Dura, I believe. Amen. Hallelujah. That um, that um, image, that grand statue, amen, um, that he erected, amen, was a prophetic allegory of what a man will become after he has feasted, amen, on the meals, amen, that each of these dark princes would supply, amen. Do you know what is very interesting, beloved? Amen. Um, if you study the book of Revelations, you're going to see that. Um, let's see here. Revelations chapter 12. Let's start from verse 3. A sign appeared in heaven, 
a great fiery red dragon having seven heads and ten horns and seven diadems on his heads. Amen. Now, this entity here is Satan. I'm going to say this again. This entity, you're going to see that explicitly declared in future portions of the scripture. Amen. This entity we just looked at here is Satan. Amen. Now, this creature that we're prophetically described as having seven heads, amen, and ten horns on his heads, amen, this creature is the spirit that is serving all of this stuff, that is prescribing this diet. But the way he's doing it is by each of his faces, each of his heads. Each of these heads is ministering, amen, portions, amen, of his glory. They're called the glories of this world. We read that in Matthew chapter four, right? What Satan showed Jesus, amen? Let me see if I actually open that up. Did I, I think I showed that to us earlier on in the beginning, right? When Satan took Jesus Christ to a tall mountain, exceedingly high mountain, right? And showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glories, amen? Hallelujah. Satan's goal was to feed Jesus with this diet. The fruits of that will be a measure of conformity. And by that, there will be a spot and a blemish on the lamb. And he will be unfit to be the Passover lamb sacrifice for humanity. Amen? We will not have our Passover. And without partaking of the Passover, there is no redemption for humanity. Amen? You see in the book of Revelation chapter 4 and chapter 5, when John was weeping. Why was he weeping? Because no one could overcome. No one could bring that meal of God for humanity. And he wept much. But an angel came and told him, one of the elders came and told him that, don't weep, amen, the lamb, amen, the lion of the tribe of Judah, amen, the roots of David has overcome. And when he looked at the lion, he saw the Passover lamb. Hallelujah. Amen. Isn't that wonderful? Now, um, I mentioned all of this stuff about Satan, amen, as having all of these kingdoms and all of these heads, amen, and each of them is dispensing or pouring out, amen, a diet, right, a prescribed meal, okay, a, a, an influence to conform the soul, amen. Please understand that um, the entity, the last head of Satan, amen, is called, the, is called the Antichrist, right? The Bible says here, let me just read here, okay, I stood on the sand of the sea and I saw a beast rising up out of the sea having seven heads and 10 horns, and on his horns, 10 crowns. Now, you will notice this heavily resembles the creature we saw in Revelation chapter 12. This creature we're looking at here is the last head of Satan. And that last head, amen, is a beast that has all the seven heads. So basically, the final meal, okay, the meal of the Antichrist, amen, it is actually the climax of all of them, or it is the fullness of all of them. So you're going to find the meal of the Antichrist has like almost like a revision notes to make sure you have been properly uh, um, and thoroughly fed a balanced diet of Assyria and Egypt and Babylon and Persia and Greece and Rome and the Antichrist himself. Amen. The son of perdition. His purpose is to destroy the soul, to fracture the soul to the place of no return. The fruits of that is that you receive something called the mark of the beast. Amen which was pioneered by people like Cain and people that wanted to build, um, the, the, you know, the founders of civilization, men like Nimrod, who built the Tower of Babel, and um, they wanted to make a name for themselves. That name they were going for was called the Mark of the Beast. Hallelujah. Now, I want you to see something, amen? This entity here, because, right, he, he is offering the diet, he himself, the, the Antichrist, the beast, amen? 
Bible refers to him as the beast that rise up out of the sea. Amen. He himself, amen, would have finished the entire curriculum of Satan. So the Antichrist is not just a, a dark entity. It's very evil. He was intentional to feast on Satan's life. He feasted on Satan's life from the very beginning to the very end. For this reason, when the Bible describes his emerging out of, of the swarm of humanity, the Bible describes him as having seven heads and ten horns, and on his horns, ten crowns, and on his head, a blasphemous name. That's the mark of the beast right there. Amen. Now, the beast which I saw was like a leopard. His feet were like the feet of a bear, and his mouth like the mouth of a lion. And the dragon gave him his power, his throne, and great authority. Do you know what's at play here? This man successfully downloaded, okay, portions, okay, critical key things that each meal from each of these seven seasons of this world, okay, were meant to deliver. He successfully downloaded all of them. And because of that, he inherited all of them. And by inheriting all of them, he received the, 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 the kingdoms of this world and their glories. And the Bible says that Satan gave to him his seat, right? It says here, the, the dragon gave him his power, his seat, and great authority. Amen? This is what Satan was offering Jesus. Would you feast on me? And by feasting on me, I will give you this power that I have. Satan has power. He can lie very well. That's very powerful. <laughs> He's a big liar. Amen. <laughs> Hallelujah. Um, the Antichrist is not just one age of, 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 of conforming Satan's life. He is the fullness of conforming Satan's life. This is why he has all seven heads of Satan, all the glories, all the kingdoms of this age. Beloved, I want you to just, for lack of better words, analyze how foolish it would be for you as a child of God, amen, to waltz onto this planet, okay, and you have visions of loving and serving God, amen, and for eons, all right, um, humanity has been under the oppression, or let me say, humanity has been feasting on each of these, amen, um, um, ages, each of these kingdoms, each of these glories, amen, and you are saying to yourself that I just want to love God, as wonderful as that is, amen? And while saying that, you are also denying feeding. You are also denying feasting. Meanwhile, as you are, you know, little miss um, <laughs> sound of music, Mayor Poppins woman here, you know, skipping along, amen? Dolphins, you know, jumping up and down um, and rainbows and, and penguins and all that fun stuff, amen? Meanwhile, under the surface, Amen. The beast that arises out of the sea is feasting heavily on Satan. Amen. And he is going through every single course, making sure he, he, he makes sure he understands primary one, primary two, primary three, four, five, six, and seven. Amen. He wants to come to the fullness. He wants to graduate from Satan's college. He wants to finish the course of this world. Now, that entity, the Bible later on explains that he is going to cause all men on the earth to become like him. In other words, he's going to put on display all of these glories on the earth. Now, you, <laughs> as a child of God, find pleasure in the things of this world. And you are actively resisting them so you can focus on Jesus. Amen? You have to, otherwise, 
you, you, you will not you will not be able to you just won't be able to do anything as far as god is concerned right you have to resist the devil submit to god amen <laughs> if not you'd have you don't stand a chance but if you're having a struggle against the civilizations of this world right now as it stands if you are still dealing with unbelief in your heart now amen before the antichrist comes that is bringing all seven heads of satan at the same time and you are denying feeding do you know the kind of disadvantage you are setting up your, for yourself? Who's on the picture here? Amen. Here you have um, for all throughout creation, Satan has been going one age, one age, just one prince. But at the end of the ages, he's bringing out all the princes, all meals at the same time. It's kind of like what the Bible says that in the latter days, God is going to bring the early rain and latter rain in the same month. Amen. That's because at the end of the ages, God wants the knowledge of his glory to cover the earth as the waters cover the sea. Now, if you do not, like I explained before, okay, the man-child company, what's unique about them is that they are the ones that made the decision to receive that diet, to feast on the Lord, amen? <laughs> Hallelujah. Because they made that decision, amen, that is why they're going to be able to wage and overcome, amen, the prince of this, of the power of the air, amen? Because they made that decision. If we do not make that decision, beloved, we are not going to be able to stand against the wiles of Satan. I hope what I'm saying has been understood. Amen. We set ourselves up for a serious disadvantage. <laughs> I have here, and you're refusing feeding, and yet you somehow want to make the rapture. I pity you. <laughs> Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. The Manchild Company will be able to wage warfare sufficiently because they partook of that specific diet that the Lord Jesus Christ has prescribed for his disciples. Amen. Hallelujah. I hope everyone understands. Amen. So um, um, we have been explaining how the unique, amen, um, dispensing, all right, administrate ministration of the spirits of God privately to the man-child company is captured in the seven seals. Now, the people that partake of the seven seals, they become the man-child company. They, when they then speak, they speak with the voice of a trumpet, amen? And that operation of the seven trumpets of God is released only by those that fed. And that is the sounding of the seven trumpets we see from Revelations chapters 8 all the way to Revelations chapter 11, amen? Now, all of these processes, amen, I just described, they are happening, first of all, to the man-child company alone, and second of all, to the church, amen? Now, what you then read in Revelations chapter 12, amen, when you see the warfare between um, my angel Michael and Satan, where the man-child is born and everything or whatever, this warfare, I thought it was over the entire planet because the Bible used the language that the man-child company, amen, has a rod with which they would rule all nations. Recently, I discovered that the man-child company's first work, their first assignment is to cleanse the church of Satan. And that is actually the confrontation that takes place in Revelations chapter 12. Now, when we say cleanse the church of Satan, we're not just talking about witches and wizards leaving our churches, amen? We are talking about worldliness in the hearts of the people of God that is making them resist the organic priesthood that we've been making reference to for the past few weeks or months now, amen? Which has been about this invitation to come and feast on God. Amen. The re listen very closely, okay? When the man-child company is feeding, amen, from Revelation chapter 6, do you notice how violent 
how, how almost terrible, how, how it seems almost afflicting the meals are. Because when these meals are taken, they are not taken so that um, the matter company can, ah, man, God, oh, God, we, hi, this God is so good. No, no, no. That's, that's part of it, amen? But that's not all of it. That diet is actually meant to destroy, to crumble the kingdoms of this world that they have feasted on before. I don't know if what I'm saying is making sense. This diet has a purpose, has a goal, and that goal is to evict, amen, to purge, amen, the church, or sorry, the Manchow company of, of the fragrance of Babylon. The fruit of that is that when they speak, all of their heart is projecting the same thing. There's Bible says that if your eye be single, amen, it will be full of light. But if your eye is not single, if your eye be evil, it's full of darkness, right? If your eye is evil, your body be full of darkness. But if your eye be single, your body be full of light. Now, if the eye that is in you, the light that is in you is darkness, how great is that darkness, amen? Simply, I was saying this, okay, that when all of you is focused on something, you magnify it, right? That's the principle of magnifying glasses, actually. What they actually do is that they focus light on a specific spot, right? Amen? And that is what happens when all of your being is single-minded. Remember what the Bible says about seeking the Lord with all of your heart? When you seek the Lord with all of your heart, when all of your heart is focused on the Lord, you discover him. You magnify. That's what the Bible says, magnify the Lord with all your hearts. That's what I was talking about. You magnify the Lord. He becomes visible. Amen? Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. So because of that focus, because of that singleness of mind, you are going to discover the man-child company, amen, is going to be able to speak almost with the voice of the Lord. Not almost. Bucky Davis calls it the voice of the bride, amen? And he, he keeps on hammering this thing about the power of the spoken word, amen? The power of the spoken word, amen, is something that we are going to participate in and enjoy as a consequence of feasting on the Lord. Amen. Hallelujah. As the church gets liberated, amen, as soon as the manchild company rises, then what we, what we can refer to as the great tribulation begins. And the whole purpose of the great tribulation is because Satan is scared out of his mind. You know the reason why? Because that manchild company, if they were able to kick him out of the church, Please hear me out, okay? One Satan has been taken out of the church. And when I say out of the I don't mean that Satan's in the pew sitting there. No, I don't mean that when you're in church, there's one red guy wearing red. Jesus, if he's here, please, matter come, come and deal with him. That's not what I'm saying, okay? I'm making reference to the worldliness that everyone is comfortable with. Amen. I was speaking to a few friends yesterday who we were talking about um, you know, different things and seasons of our lives. And we would go over how. How could we have been lukewarm? I'm not talking about when people are struggling with things or doing stuff. I'm talking about like when you are in the world, you are comfortable in the world, you're not trying to come out and yet you're claiming Jesus, right? I'm, I'm, talking, I'm, talking, I'm, I'm talking about um, two different things here, okay? And even then, even when we're dealing and struggling with stuff, many of the things we struggle with, it's really because of worldliness, right? That we, you know, has become um, um, almost accepted, if that makes sense. And so anyways, my, my point just being though, like, how are these things going? You know, we, we, we hammered on some things you know, different things that we just saw. And we were just like, man, what is it going to take for the average believer to have a good example of what living like Jesus is and actually want or desire it, not feel painful, not feel like they're losing something, amen? The reason why we feel like we're losing something when we're walking with God is because of worldliness. Worldliness makes God um, seem 
unattractive. The Bible says that when Adam and Eve partook of the tree of worldliness, they ran away from God when they heard the voice of him walking in the garden. Amen. Worldliness does something. It makes the way that seems right to us um, um, the incorrect one. <laughs> amen. It makes death appealing and it makes God, amen, um, disinterested. Amen. Maybe even I don't even want him at all. In fact, in fact, I'm, I'm, I hate God. Amen. That's what worldliness does, right? I was as he that wants to be a friend of this world makes himself an enemy of God. Hallelujah. So for this reason, because when God comes in, the enemy has entered inside, you're bringing warfare on the inside of you. That is why you have the four horsemen. That is why the chariots of fire invade the soul. And this is why you see Moses and Elijah, amen, as the two witnesses of the Lord God of the whole earth in Revelation 11. Because you see that Elijah, amen, he, he, he fellowshiped, he interacted with these four spirits of the heavens. I know this because the chariots of fire are the ones that took him up. And they took him up because he had allowed them to traffic in his soul, allowed them to deal with things in his soul. So because of this, amen, you see him as a witness, just like Moses was. Why Moses? Because Moses, amen, allowed himself to feast on the Lord. I hope you're seeing the picture here. Moses feasted on the Lord. You can see this in the 14th and 14th nights, amen? And we can tell that Elijah also feasted on the Lord, right? We can tell it's because of the chariots of fire. Those four horsemen, they only come to those, right? If you remember Revelation chapter 6, when the seals are broken, when the manchild company is feasting on the Lord, the invitation from the four living creatures to come and see, amen? And those that respond to this call, to those ones, there is a direct administration of the chariots of fire. And what they come to bring into our hearts is something called the awe of God. Amen? The, re the fear of the Lord. Amen? That fear of the Lord is what Moses had that drew him up into the mountain. Amen? Remember what Moses said in Exodus chapter 20? When they were before Mount Sinai. Amen? When the invitation to come and feast on God. Amen? Was laid out to them. Amen? I'm going to open up Exodus 20 from verse 18. The Bible says, all the people witnessed the thunderings, the lightning flashes, the sound of the trumpet. Amen? And the mountain smoking. When the people saw it, they trembled and stood afar off. And they said to Moses, you speak with us and we will hear, but do not let God speak with us lest we die. And Moses said to the people, do not be afraid for God has come to test you that his fear may be before you that you may not sin. Amen. That is the awe of God, beloved. That is the fear of the Lord. That is what that feast is going to do on the inside of us. Those that partake of this meal, amen, those who partake of these feasts, they partake of all of the spirits of God. Remember, the Holy Ghost is given to us, amen, as a, as a down payment, amen, as a first installment, amen, as the earnest of our inheritance, amen. And then he's also released to us progressively, amen, throughout our Christian walk, through feasting, amen. And the fruits of all of those that receive, amen, any of these diets, that they are sealed. We see this in Revelation chapter 7. We see this in Revelations. I mean, um, and we see this in um, um, Ephesians chapter 1. When the Bible says that you are sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise, amen, when you believe. And I've explained before that all of the seals, amen, all of the seals that are broken, amen, they are broken because the Spirit is poured out. So when the Spirit is poured out, the seals are broken, amen. And again, the seals are broken only in the midst of a community of believers, amen? A small community, when I say small community, it is a private experience, amen? I would say bind the law, seal it among my disciples, right? Bind the testimony, seal the law amongst my disciples. That means only the disciples, amen, will be able to decrypt it because they have feasted on the contents, amen? Please, if you have questions, actually ask, amen?
Hallelujah. All right. So with Satan um, evicted from the church, amen, um, Satan um, launches his trump card, amen. Hallelujah. We see this in Revelation chapter 12, amen. If you study the book of Revelation very carefully, hallelujah, you would see the praise and worship. And when the Bible says things like, uh, rejoice, O heavens, and you that dwell in them, but woe to the inhabitants of the earth and of the sea, for the devil has come down to you, having great wrath, because he knows he has a short time. So the timer for the end of the ages, the determinant for this is the church. Amen. When we, when we, when we, the body of Christ, go through feeding, amen, or when a select few goes through the curriculum, amen, of salvation, when we go through, amen, when we partake of the seven feasts, amen, when we go through that thing that God has set us up for, amen, the fruit of that, of, of that diet, the fruit of that communion, the fruit, amen, the the consequence of dining with the Lord, amen, is that you would see Satan's grip on the hearts of his people being broken off. And then you that has feasted, when you commune with others, when you interact with others, they would experience the same thing. You would see in Revelation chapter 12, that the man-child company gives the, the rest of the body, the church, the woman in the wilderness, two great wings like an eagle to take her to the wilderness where she will be fed. Maybe I should show this to us, amen? It says it right here, okay? 13, when the dragon saw that he had been cast to the earth, he persecuted the woman who gave birth to the male child. This, amen, is the retelling of the great tribulation, amen? This happens immediately after the church, amen, after the, um, Satan has been evicted from the church by the man-child company, where the loudest voice in the church is no longer Satan, but it is now Jesus through the man-child company. Does that make sense? Amen? Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, I love myself. But the woman was given two wings of a great eagle that she might fly into the wilderness to her place where she is nourished for a time and times and half a time from the presence of the serpent. Hallelujah. Now, all the serpent does here is reactionary. Satan is afraid because he has lost his battle. And then Satan brings forth his trump card because he can tell that if the man-child company has been fed, if he's been cast out of the church, he has to release all feasts upon the earth. He has to colonize the rest of the earth. You know the reason why? Because the man-child company, once the man-child company rises, it is game over. Amen? But the man-child company is going to rise, first of all, in the church. Amen? Hallelujah. When the man-child company rises in the church, immediately afterwards, then the Antichrist rises. Amen? So I want you to see that the man-child company rises first, then Satan gets kicked out of the church. Amen? Then with him getting out of the church, then comes the Antichrist. I hope that that um, sequence is clearly understood. And when we go to Revelation chapter 14, we see something very beautiful. Amen? Then I looked, and behold, a lamb standing on Mount Zion, with him 144,000, having his father's name written on their foreheads. Now, the place of dining in the Old Testament was Mount Sinai. We've explained this before, right? Amen? In Mount Sinai, God invited them up to the mountains, come and feast with him there on the mountain. Amen? Um, when they rejected that, the place of feasting was in the most holy place. Amen? You see a picture of that in the holy place with the table of shoe bread, but the place of communion with God was actually in the most holy place. Amen? 
because that's what actually the tabernacle was built for. It was meant to be a caricature, amen, a, 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 a model, an illustration of, oh, yes, if a, for lack of better words, a technology to bring down a miniature version of the Mount Sinai experience to Israel, amen? And that's what the high priest does. He goes in and receives that diet and releases it upon Israel with the El Shaddai blessing. I've explained this so many times already. I want to encourage you to go back to previous teachings and, and you know, get blessed by those. I hope it's a blessing to you. Amen. <laughs> Hallelujah. So after, um, in the Old Testament, this diet manifested, amen, on Mount Sinai at one point in time, at another point in time was in the tabernacle. For us, we have not come to Sinai, right? But we have come to Zion, right? We've not come to a mountain that can be touched with hands, right? We've come to the city of the living God, right? The heavenly Jerusalem, right? The noble company of angels, right? Amen. The church of the firstborn, amen. Um, those who are registered in heaven. Hallelujah. And uh, why am I saying this? Because the people that are on Mount Sinai, they have ascended up into the holy hill of the Lord, amen. They have clean hands, they have a pure heart, amen. They have not lit up their souls to vanity, amen. They have not sworn deceitfully, it's that they have feasted on the Lord, amen. It, it's beautiful when you see how the entire Bible, amen, is in concert saying the exact same thing. Hallelujah. We'll be rounding things up today, amen, very, very soon. Hallelujah. Huh, I heard the voice. Um, huh, so this 144,000, because they feasted on the Lord, they have the Father's name written on their foreheads. Amen. So they're standing on Mount Zion because they went to feast of the Lord. And because they feasted on the Lord, they have the Father's name written on their foreheads. And I heard a voice from heaven, like the voice of many waters, like the voice of loud thunder. And I heard the sound of harpists playing their harps. And they sang, as it were, a new song before the throne, before the four living creatures and the elders. And no one could learn that song except 144,000 who are redeemed from the earth. So only those who feasted could sing this song is the song of the redeemed do you know why they, the only ones that can sing the song of the redeemed because they have finished experiencing their redemption beloved the seven feasts of god amen we find in, in the scriptures amen they are actually the diet for you to manifest your new creation state amen and there's a woman a prophetess that talks about this she says that the man child company they are going to bring forth the new creation state. You will see the new creation when you see them. Amen. It's a scary thing. The way she describes it, it's so scary. It reminds me of when Satan, those demons, they saw Jesus and they said, have you come to, 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 um, to, um, to kick us out before our time? I adjure you, please don't do that. <laughs> Amen. Because when they're seeing Jesus, they're seeing the lake of fire. Amen. When Satan sees the man-child company, it's his fear that fills his heart because he knows his time is short. If human beings are on the earth that have feasted on God, amen, and they have received all the chariots of fire, they are going to be able to release those chariots, amen? Kind of like Elisha did, right? Amen? When the host of Syria was surrounded him, he released that which he had participated in, right? He released those things that he fellowshiped with, right? The same thing with a man-child company, amen? Notice how I've been talking about different generations, amen? I'm, I'm talking about how different things are manifesting at different points in time. I spoke about the different feasts, amen, of, of this world, Babylon, Assyria, all these things, amen? I'm also spoke about what the tabernacle looked like at different points in time, amen? I'm also speaking about the seven feasts of Israel, amen? If you remember the context of, of our conference, amen, it's about how Christ, amen, is the blueprint of future ages amen you're going to see christ appearing in different ways throughout this age amen but there is the culmination there is the climax 
that we're after. And that climax is the blueprint of the future ages. To get that blueprint, there is a diet. Now, there's illustrations of that throughout. Amen. God has spoken in times past of other the prophets. But in these last days, the blueprint is what he is saying now. In other words, he's saying the fullness. The fullness. The Bible says, when the fullness of times had come, God sent forth his son born of a woman. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. So because these, this man child company, amen, has partaken of this meal, the Bible says they were not defiled with women, for they are virgins. The women here, amen, speaks of Babylon, amen, the woman that sits upon the scarlet beast. Hallelujah. These are the ones who follow the lamb wheresoever he goes. They were, we know what that means, right? They're disciples, amen. They were redeemed from among men, being first fruits to God and to the lamb. In their mouth was found no deceit, and they are without fault before the throne of God. This is a description that mirrors what you see in Psalms 24. Who will ascend into the hill of the Lord? He that has clean hands and a pure heart. Amen. Hallelujah. And I saw another angel flying in the midst of heaven, having the everlasting gospel to preach to those who dwell on the earth. Amen. To every nation and tribe and tongue and people saying with a loud voice, fear God and give glory to him for the hour of his judgment has come. And worship him who made heaven and the earth and the sea and, 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 and springs of water. Amen. And another angel followed saying, Babylon is fallen, is fallen, that great city, because she has made all nations drink of the wine of the wrath of her fornication. Now, this declaration that Babylon has fallen can only be released from the mouth of the man-child company, those who have feasted on God because Babylon has fallen inside of them. It's kind of like the decree to Pharaoh, let my people go. It happens first of all with the church, amen? As in, in the church, I um, mean, in Revelation chapter 12, then the, the Mantle company, once they basically arrested the church from Satan, amen? The next thing now is to hijack the world from Satan as well, amen? And the decrees they begin to release, look at the decrees they release, okay? Because it's not like the Mantle company is saying this per se, but when the Manchow company is preaching the gospel, amen, as they're as they're spreading the good news, as they're ministering to the body, amen, angels of God are resounding out loud the vengeance of God, amen. These things will only happen after.
Hallelujah. Can everyone hear me? Okay. So sorry. Um, I think um, my internet in my apartment kind of freaked out there for a second, but I'll just run up with this. Amen. Okay. He shall drink of the wrath of God. Thank you. Thank you very much. Y'all. He shall drink of the wine of the wrath of God, which is poured out full strength into the cup of his indignation. He shall be tormented with fire and brimstone in the presence of the holy angels and in the presence of the lamb and the smoke of their torment arises forever and ever and they have no rest day or night who worship the beast and his image and who receives the mark of his name now the language here looks like the man child company is an authority figure amen addressing the universe letting the world know there is a search warrant all right and if you are found having feasted on anyone besides God, if you are fearing anyone but God, if, 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 if um, because Babylon has fallen, if you receive the mark of the beast, you are going to experience torment. This is not a threat. Amen. This is the judgment that is coming upon the earth. Amen. Now, this, these three angels that, that come, um, you see here, if you go to chapter 15, you are going to see that this is what I'm going to end with. I saw another angel, another sign in heaven, great and marvelous, seven angels having the seven last plagues, for in them the wrath of God is complete. And I saw something like a sea of glass mingled with fire, and those who have the victory over the beast, over his image, and over his mark, and over the number of his name are standing on a sea of glass, and they have the harps of God. This is the Manchild Company again, amen? They exercise victory over the beast. They exercise victory over the mark of the beast, amen? They exercise victory over, the, over Satan, over the Antichrist, amen? They showed clear dominion, amen? Because of the meal that they partook of, amen? The Bible says here, they sing the song of Moses, the, the servants of God, and the song of the Lamb, saying, Great and marvelous are your works, Lord God Almighty. Just and true are your ways, O King of the saints. Who shall not fear you, O Lord, Lord, and glorify your name? For you alone are holy, for all nations shall come and worship before you, for your judgments have been made manifest. And after these things I looked, and behold, the temple of the tabernacle of the testimony in heaven was opened, and out of the temple came the seven angels, having the seven plagues, clothed in pure bright linen, and having their chests girded with golden bands. Then one of the four living creatures gave to the seven angels seven golden bowls full of the wrath of God who lives forever and ever. The temple was filled with smoke from the glory of God. The temple is the church, beloved. The church that has been cleansed from Satan's voice cleansed from satan's influence cleansed from the, the 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 civilizations of this world amen but the tabernacle of the testimony in heaven so the temple of the tabernacle of the testimony okay the tabernacle of the testimony is the ark of the covenant that's a manchild company but the temple amen that's the body of christ the church so we say the people that receive the tutelage of the manchild company when they are opened, out of them came seven angels having seven plagues, clothed in pure bright linen, having their chest. Is everyone seeing the picture here 
of what is in front of a, a body of Christ that is feasting on God. The Bible says the temple was filled with smoke from the glory of God and from his power, and no one was able to enter the temple till the seven plagues of the seven angels were completed. This is a reference to what happened when the tabernacle was erected in the book of Exodus. No one could enter. Even Moses could enter, and the glory was beyond what he could fathom with his people. There's something about God that's beautiful, beloved. He wants to be with us. And he's made, he spread himself out, amen, as a seven-course meal for us to enjoy. We need to feast on God, amen? This is what the Spirit is saying now, amen? God wants the seven trumpets sounding now. But for this to actually happen, beloved, we have to feast on God. This looks like us exercising ourselves in forgiveness, exercising ourselves in love, amen? Exercising ourselves in the nature and character of God. This looks like us, amen? Spending a lot of time in intercession, a lot of time in prayer. When I say all the time, I mean a lot of time. Getting lost in God. Feasting on God looks like you losing track of time, spending, you know, in, in the scriptures, amen? I hope you are see, you're getting um, a glimpse of what we're talking about, amen? Hallelujah. Um, I'm trusting the Lord that, these words after a period of time it will be understood what feasting means amen it will no longer be this mysterious or, or mystical term amen that's used to describe some jewish thing somewhere no we will see we will understand what that jewish thing was making reference to no longer would it look like some bunch of squiggly lines we'll be able to see that oh this is an illustration or oh, this is a chemical equation and it's saying that we need to go and spend time with god we need to go love on our brothers and our sisters we need to um, let go of our own selfish interests and discover what exactly is the will of God for this situation. Hallelujah. I really hope this is an encouragement to all of us, amen, to spend time with the Lord. I really hope that we are, we understand um, what we're seeing the gravity, amen, even in this season of the seven feasts. We're not going to we're not going to be lazy, amen, any longer in our dismissal of things that are seen as priorities, amen. We are going to fully embrace, amen, whatever the Lord has for us. If he believe, if our almighty God believed it was necessary that Israel will partake of these feasts with statements like the one that Pastor Uche mentioned several times in PHB, that anyone who doesn't partake of these feasts, he will be destroyed from amongst the people. If the Lord felt it was that important to say, say these things, then why do, where do we get off, you know, amen, with some of these theories and these things that we come up with, amen, that are inconsistent with the standards in Scripture. Hallelujah. So I really hope this encourages to feast on the Lord, amen, to wait on him, amen. Sukkot started yesterday, amen, um, yesterday evening at 6 p.m., um, hallelujah. And so what that means is Sukkot is the feast of, um, tabernacles, amen. That is when the joining with the Lord is is um is manifest, amen. It's tangible, amen. That is what that feast represents, amen. How do we celebrate that now in the New Testament by intentionally engaging, amen? The fact that you are the tabernacle of the testimony of God. We just read that, right? The tabernacle of testimony, amen. That you, beloved, as you feast on God, amen. That nature of Christ is emerging, amen. Is coming out of us, amen. There is going to be a time when we will no longer, amen, have to be confessing, as in declaring these things vocally, amen, 
but there will be such an intensity and a severity, amen, and a plurality of interactions, amen, that it will now be a question of who else is not convinced, amen, that God dwells in us. That is the statement you see in the book of Joel. Do not let the heathen say, where is their God? Amen. We are going to have to do what our ancestors did. We are going to have to spend time with the Lord. We are going to have to live out this Christian walk. We are not going to settle for lukewarm Christianity. We're not going to settle for everyday Christianity. We're going to go deep. We're not going to be shallow in our scriptures, understanding the scriptures, understanding the will of God. We're not going to be shallow. We're not going to give one word sentences anymore. We're not going to just um, dismiss things. We're not going to um, we're not going to dismiss things flippantly. No, we're going to be wise, prudent. Amen. Hallelujah. We're going to be trained. We're going to be loving. We're going to fear the Lord. Amen. There's so much that God has in store for us this season, beloved. And I'm so glad that you get to be a part of it. Thank you so much for joining us. I really hope this was a blessing. Amen. Um, again, follow up to our conference. Um, every single one of our expressions is tailored towards making sure that the impartations that were received, they are digested. Amen. And that we bring forth fruit of these encounters. It's not enough to say that Catherine Coleman or, or even Jesus came to your meeting. Amen. When he came, he came to do something. And we want to see that thing he, um, you know, um, that purpose fulfilled in actual life. So I want to thank you so much on behalf of Pastor Francis Seabor for joining us, beloved. Um, this has been a wonderful time. I hope it has been for you too. Um, Jesus loves you. Have a good night.